morning. I hope that you had a really great Christmas and uh, that you uh, didn't eat too much and that uh, you really enjoyed your family. As most of you know, Meredith and I uh, went up to Melrose, where Meredith uh, comes from, and we had a great time with her family every second year. It's a uh, Bishop uh, Christmas. Next year, it's a Resky Christmas, and they're both different, believe you me. Uh, but we had a great time there, and I had no airport problems this time. Isn't that good? Thank God for that. And it's, I think it's the first time in about six months that I actually went to the airport. Everything was on time. There wasn't even a lot of turbulence. So I really do thank God. I did not get a fruit cake for Christmas, so I really do thank God for that. But I did get, this year, I got one of those um, Fitbit fitness wristwatches. So I think, yeah, what are they telling me? I think first they're trying to put weight on. Now they're trying to get it off me. And uh, so I'm looking forward to, to wearing that. I have been in two minds about what to preach. And uh, that happens to me a lot. And this morning, uh, I actually got up at quarter past five to work on this other sermon that I had in my heart. And then I get here. And we sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, go back to the original message. So I got up this morning at quarter past five. I don't think I was listening to the Holy Spirit. But, you know, one of the things I'm really thankful for is I'm really thankful to our worship team. Because we don't actually tell them what songs to preach. I don't ring them up. Charles doesn't. Greg doesn't. We don't ring them up and say unless we have a specific song that we really want. But, you know, I'm really thankful that, you know, the church is led by the Spirit of God. And we don't try and control our departments. You know, we give leadership, but we do want them to be free to hear what God wants to say. And this morning when I heard that song, I just thought, boy, something is just pulling at my heart. And I, I just feel that there's people here that need to know that it's all going to work out. There's some of you here that have been through some tough, bit of a tough year, maybe the tough couple of years. And when we were singing that song, I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, tell the people, tell people that it's all going to be okay. How many of you know that when it's in God's hands, it's all going to work out? So my message, my original message was out of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And the title of the message is, it will all work out out. Let's pray. Can we? Father, we thank you that, uh, Lord, our times are in your hands. Uh, Lord, you know the beginning, you know the end. You're the alpha, you're the omega. You're the bookend of our lives. And this morning, Lord, as we just share these thoughts, I, I just sense that there's people here that just need to be assured, that just need to have their confidence lifted, that you're at work and that, Lord, your work in their situation, you know exactly every detail, everything they're working through, and that, Lord, you're putting all the jigsaw pieces of their life together, Lord, to bring, Lord, your purpose through their life, into their life, into their everyday situations. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 8.28, this is what it says. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called for His purpose. Let me read that again to you. It says, And we know that in all things, all things work together for good. 
Everybody say good. For good to them that love God and them who are called to his purpose. Now we know there's a prerequisite for this to happen. One is you have to love God, uh, to put God first. I'm really thrilled that you're here this morning and, you know, this is not a, a judgmental comment at all, but, you know, it's really great that, uh, you know, being the first day of the month that you're here to put God first. And I know that many are on holidays, but it's fantastic that we can set that in our hearts, that God is first, that we love God. That's a, that's a prerequisite. The other one is those that are called to his purpose. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is not just your saviour, but he is your Lord. And when he is your Lord, it means that he's in the driver's seat. Uh, he's the one that's actually driving the vehicle of your life. Um, you know, when I was 19 years old, and many of you uh, know the story that at the age of 19, that uh, I made a decision at the age of, you know, uh, 11, I gave Christ my life. He became my saviour. I had the benefits of salvation, but it wasn't until I was 19 that he actually became my Lord. He, I allowed him to come and be in the driver's seat. And when he's in the driver's seat, how many of you know that he works all things? He's driving in the right direction. You can trust him that he's going to take you to the end of what he has for you. Now, here's a truth that I've learned. And we're going to hear this, and, and I heard this truth yesterday. And I, I hadn't quite articulated it like this, but at the end I'm going to show you a video of a person who understands this truth that all things work out for good, even when we don't understand them, for those that love the Lord. Here's a great truth. God has no problems with our life, only plans. Did you know that? <laughs> We've got problems. God's got plans. And if your perspective is that you focus on the problem, which is what we do, then you miss out the purposes and the plans of God. I learned this story, this, this truth of how God's intent is not just to bless me, but to make me fruitful for his purpose. And everything that happens to me, whether good or bad, whether it's in my framework or not, it all works out for good, for his good, my good, and the purposes of God. You know, I, um, about four months ago, um, my daughter needed a new car. And, uh, you know, I, she's not good with cars. And I said to my wife, oh, we, we can't let her go and try and buy a car because she's just, she's going to buy the first thing that you know, a salesman tells her, and uh, we didn't have anybody to try and help us. So I said, look, your car's not in bad condition. It's only got 120,000 Ks. Um, let's give her your car, and I'll buy you a brand new car. How many of you think I'm a good husband? Put your hand up right here. And uh, it, it wasn't a very expensive new car, but it was a new car. And so, you know, it, it sort of really worked out, and there was a, a sale on, and so I bought my wife this Kia Cerato. Uh, and they were selling them, you know, they, they were upgrading a model, and, I, and they were selling them for 17900 something like that. And I thought, wow, that's great, seven-year warranty. I thought, this is fantastic. And, and I was really enjoying driving it because she had the new car, and my car was okay, but I liked the smell of new cars, and, you know, I looked, you know, fairly cool in it, you know. And so I was driving it a little bit more than she was. <laughs> and it was my grandson's birthday it was a glorious day 
I was so looking forward to seeing him. I had some drinks in the car. I said to the family, what do you want me to bring? What do you need? And I said, Dad, can you bring some drinks? And my son, Michael, and Kira were organizing the party. So, I, you know, it was after church. It was about 2.30. So uh, here I go. I, Meredith, unfortunately, couldn't be there. So I was driving her brand new car, got food, and I'm driving along. And I'm on Plenty Road. And I'm at the, um, the roundabout. It's a bank up of cars that there usually is. And all of a sudden, somebody, somebody who obviously, you know, wasn't concentrating, uh, smashed into the back of the car behind me who smashed into my car. Now, how many of you know I was not a happy boy? <laughs> I wasn't happy. Because not only, you know, did it mess up my grandson's birthday because I wanted to get there, uh, and, and, you know, for a moment I was in total shock because I was stationary. And all of a sudden it's just, I could see from the rear vision mirror, I thought, this guy ain't going to stop. And bang, it just, he just smashed into my car. Now, I, 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 I sat in the car for about, <laughs> I think, 30 seconds before I realized what had happened. And all, you know when you have in a, you're in a crisis, all these thoughts go through your mind? Like, you know, yeah, I won't tell you what went through my mind. But all these thoughts were going through my mind. And, uh, do you know, I... I, I try to calm myself. I rang my son quickly and I said, look, I've just been in an accident. I'm okay, but I think I'm going to be a little while before I get there. So just in case, because he knew I was going to come at a certain time. And um, as I got out the car, I was sort of in two minds. I'm being honest with you. I was in two minds on how I should respond. It's a brand new car. And so I get out and the guy this guy, just as I was getting out, the guy who'd hit me, who'd been hit by the car, because I was a fleet car pilot, got out and says, hey, mate, are you okay? The first thing he asked me was, are you okay? He was so compassionate and loving. He said, look, this girl's hit us and she's really distraught. He was, he was like pastoring me. I felt, <laughs> all of a sudden, I felt guilty. As I thought to myself, that's what I should be like. I should be, pa- I, I just, I was ready to get out and go, right, who, who, what were you thinking? Don't you know where I'm going? And look, it's a brand new car. Anyway, I, I calmed down and we sorted things out. The girl was really distraught. She said, look, my shoe slipped uh, and, uh, you know, and, and I hit the accelerator and smacked right into the back of this guy and into you. And so anyway, we, we started to sort it out. And poor girl, I felt so sorry for her. And then, you know, as the days went on and we got in contact, I realized the incredible pressure she was under. And thank God that man helped me to adjust my heart. And you know what he said to me? He goes, I gave him my card. He goes, are you a pastor? I go, yeah, yeah. Yes, I am. Bless you, son. You know what I mean? That's what I was. I'm a pastor. And he goes, do you know Pastor Watts' name? He's telling me all these. He was ended up being a Christian. Boys, sometimes you, you need to be careful when you're going through crisis. Who's watching Who's looking? And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the girl didn't get back to me, and I started thinking, gee, I wonder what's wrong. And then finally she did get back to us and stuff and with insurances and everything like that. And what happened is that she told me of, of her trauma. She'd just broken up, and, and, and my heart just went out to her. And so I offered her help and said, look, we're from a church. If you want food, and all of a sudden I, I realized that sometimes what you go through is not even about you. How many of you know that? It's not even about you. It's not about you. Boy, we make it about us. And so what happened is, you know, I went to the insurance company and, and the car was like, I was thinking, what a pain. It's more the pain. So they said, well, yeah, we, you know, bring it in. We'll have to have a look at it. They, 
you know, looked at the quote to fix it. Uh, they said, yeah, we'll get it fixed in December, which sort of worked for us. Then they ran and said, look, we're not going to be able, we're going to have to do it in January. And I thought, oh, no. Then they said, can you bring it back to us? Because um, we want to have another look at it. So they had another look at it. Cut a long story short, they wrote it off. It got so bent in the back and the chassis got bent that the quote to fix it was $17,000. So can you, can you imagine that? Now here's the amazing thing, is that because you could no longer get that car and it was only about four months old, they upgraded it. So they gave us $19,500 and now my wife has got an upgrade. The motor has gone from a 1.8 to 2 litre, which is faster. It's got a rear vision camera. It's got all these other benefits. And here I was in the middle of the crisis complaining and saying, God, what is going on when all things work out for good for those who love God? Now, this is a very practical and in a way it's a materialistic situation. And, it, and it's a good story because she's got a brand new car. It smells newer. It's got a new, it looks better. Um, and I was like, wow, God loves me. <laughs> I'm his favorite. This is a materialistic story, but you know, there's other events in our life which are way more crucial than that. There's relational breakdowns. There's all sorts of things that happen in our life that sometimes we cannot understand. There's things that are happening in our life that we cannot, sometimes we are more confused than we are in faith. There's sometimes things that happen to us that we say, God, where are you? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever wondered, have you ever gone through crisis or things in your life that don't make sense? They don't seem to line up. They don't seem to be principled uh, in the Word of God. What about situations that uh, uh, fall upon you that are not your fault. And it's not been your decision, but it's been the decision of others that make you, that find you in a place where you feel like, God, why am I here? And it's not even my fault. Joseph was a bit like that. Joseph found himself in a place where he could not understand the purpose of God. And sometimes, you know, you can go through pain. You can go through pain if you understand the purpose. But boy, it's hard to go through pain when things don't make sense and there does not seem to be a purpose. Who's ever been there? But the Bible says all things work out for good for those who love God and are called to his purpose, who've made a decision to make him Lord. I don't want to go on too long today, but I want to just give you three quick things that have helped me in my journey. And then I want to finish with this this DVD. Number one, I've learned over the years, and I could tell you so many stories. This story I told you was a materialistic story, but right from the age of 19, from the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I made him Lord and I put him in the driver's seat, God has orchestrated my life. Sometimes I've not known, sometimes I've not even been happy with the direction that he has taken me. But he is always, always, in every single event of our life, of my life and Mary's life, 
every single event in darkness, in confusion, in going through the tunnels of life, when I've not understood, at the end I've looked back and thought, wow, he knew exactly what he was doing. And I want to give you today, I want to give you confidence and I want to just reassure you that if you are walking through something, if you're walking through a tunnel at the moment, if you're walking through a situation that's a crisis and it does not make sense, let me say this to you, God has got it all at hand and he is at work even when we stop working, even when we stop having faith, he's at work. Let me just tell you this one other story before I go into these three things. You know, this, this was planted into me when I was 19 years old. At 19 years old, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was in this service, and the moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ, there was this desire, this hunger in my heart to go to Bible college. And, and I'll never forget the experience because deep down inside of me, there's all of a sudden, you know, you know God leads you by desires. He, he leads you by desires, and sometimes our desires are wrong, and he can change those desires because it's like the rudder of our life. And all of a sudden, this desire came in my heart to go to Bible college. Now, I'd never really had any interest, but the moment I gave Christ my life, this desire began to build in me to go to Bible college. And my dad was not a Christian. He didn't get saved for 36 years. And so, uh, you know, it was 1979. And, and I remember I was so frustrated. I was 19. I wanted to go to Bible college. I went to my dad. I lived at home. And I was an only child. My father had great expectations of my life. And I said to my father, because I, I went up to my mum, and my mum said, well, you've got to go ask your dad. He's the head at home. So I went, and I said, Dad, I want to go and do Bible college. Well, he went off. He said, are you crazy? Are you mad? There's no way you're going to do Bible college. So I went and argued with my mother. I thought my mother would have some sympathy for me. And I said to my mum, mum, you know, dad, uh, he, he doesn't understand. He doesn't want me to go to Bible college. And I was expecting her to say, well, son, you know, I'll go and bat for you. And she goes, son, he is the head of the home. Do you think that God can't change his mind? Do you think that God hasn't got greater authority? And I'm going, I don't want to hear this. This is, you're, you're telling me the wrong stuff. And inside, I was really angry and I was really frustrated and I didn't want to le- listen to it. And I went up to her after about a week or two and said, right, I said, I'm going to do God's will. And I, if that means I'm going to leave home, I'm going to leave home. She goes, if you leave home, you will not be doing God's will. Because God wants to teach you something a lot bigger and show you how big he is. I was really happy with that. So for one year, I didn't go to college, but I was so frustrated. I was so upset. And God was doing something in me before he could do something through me. Friends, listen to me. God has to do something in us before he will do something through us. And I had to learn this huge lesson. And here I was, um, you know, battling with, with situations. Now, God was orchestrating things behind the scenes that I wasn't even aware of. Uh, I was at work, and I was working, would you believe it or not? I was studying accounting. Can you see me as an accountant? Who could see me as an accountant? Now, it has given me a great foundation, but boy, I couldn't think of it. I don't know why I chose that. I think it was more to please my dad. Uh, You know, they told me that accountants made a lot of money, and my dad was real thrilled with that. I even went to, you know, night school to study accounting, and I hated it every minute of it. And I was in this company and and I was in the accounts department and God shifted me it was incredible I got shifted into this new department 
And now we're coming into the new year and I went up to my dad and said, Dad, listen, I still feel that God wants me to go to Bible college. And he still went off and he goes, okay, I'll make a deal with you. Now be careful when you make deals with God and God's working on your behalf. He said, I'll make a deal. He says, if you can work part-time going to Bible college because I ain't going to pay for it. And if on the day you finish college, you can go back into full-time work, you can, you can go to college. But that was like, I thought, that is impossible. How is that going to happen? How many of you know all things work together for good for those that love the Lord? And so what happened is, you know, I, I, um, I just thought this is impossible. But God was orchestrating things unaware, unaware to my frustrations and everything like that. I got into this new department where the, my boss, it was only me and my boss. My boss was a young man. He was about 28 years old. I was in 20 then. And his name was Richard. And so we got to become fairly good friends. And it was always hard to talk about Christianity. And I always felt awkward because I thought, I wonder what people are going to think. But one day, I was bold enough to actually say to him, hey, Richard, you know, you know I go to church and I have this real desire to go to Bible college. And there's a six-month course our church is doing. It actually starts at, you know, one o'clock every day until nine and I would love to have the opportunity to do the course. I was amazed at his response. He said, Nick, and he's quite, he went quite silent because he said, Nick, you most probably aren't aware of this, but I used to go to church. I used to be in youth leadership. It was an amazing God shifts me and puts me with this guy who he had orchestrated it. Unawares to me, he said, you know, I used to be in youth ministry and, and I could tell there was conviction happening. I could tell God was reigniting his heart. He had just got married. He invited me over to his place to meet his wife and we were getting to be good friends and we began to talk about God. And one day he turns around to me and goes, you know what, Nick? I'm going to go to the general manager and I'm going to put your case forward. I will bat on your behalf. I'm there, wow. He went to the general manager, came back that day and he said to me, Nick, I got you six months off. Isn't that amazing? God was orchestrating. I went back home. I was so excited. I did one of those Toyota jumps. They went out then. I said, I could do them then. And, uh, you know, I said, Dad, I got, my boss has got me six months off. He goes, that's not good enough. He said, that's only half the deal. He said, the other half was that you have to get part-time work. And I thought, man, this is so, how is this going to happen? Because I just wanted to do Bible college. You know, I thought, it's enough to study, you know. But I had one, I had Mondays off, and then I had the mornings off. And I thought, man, with all the study, I don't know how this is going to happen. I thought, and to find a job, who is going to create a job for me like that? And I began to look in the back. There was nothing happening. About two weeks before the course started, Richard comes in, and he's quite, you know, he, he's quite anxious. He says, Nick, look, we've got a little bit of an issue. I said, what's the issue? He goes, look. I've just got promoted and they're going to start transitioning me in my role and because you're going and I need to go uh, to work in the other, <coughs> it, it was like a, a dual company, I'm going to have to go work into the other office, we're going to need somebody here. Is there any way that you could do part-time work over the next six months? I said, let me think about that. <laughs> yes. And man, let me tell you, I went up to my dad and I said, Dad, I said, not only have I got six months off, but I work on a Monday and actually I can work, they're going to get me to work from 
9 till 12. I used to have lunch on the way and do Bible class. It was a heavy six months, but let me tell you, God came through. All things work out for good for those that love the Lord and for his purpose. And I was amazed because that was the beginning of a journey that I have seen time after time after time after time happen in my life. The moment that we went to Geelong, you know, at the age of 28, we went to Geelong. The way God orchestrated that. When we came back to Adelaide, the way God orchestrated that. The way that we went to the UK, you know, back in 2008. The way God orchestrated. It was amazing. I've seen the faithfulness of God over and over again. The way we got to come here. And the way that when I look at the journey of this church, every time I would get frustrated, every time I'd feel like, God, do you know what you're doing? It'd be nice. If you help me along, he was orchestrating that. And it's been the, the, the hallmark of my life. And these are three things very quickly that I've learned. Number one, I've learned to trust God. Now, I, you know, I can say that confidently today. Because I'm 57 now. And I've seen it time after time after time. Trust is easy when you understand. But boy, it's hard when you don't understand <laughs> It's easy when you can see what God's doing and when you can understand what God's doing. But boy, true trust happens when you don't understand and when you can't see. And I think there's some of you today that you're in this situation when you can't quite see or understand what God is doing. But let me say this to you. He is at work. And you know, I don't know him. But I look around this room today and I know some of your journeys... And I know that sometimes it's so hard when you're walking through what you're walking through, when you can't understand, when you can't see, when you feel like you're in the darkness of a tunnel, when you feel like you're in the pit and you feel like, God, what the heck are you doing? Can I say this to you? Trust God because he is at work. You know, Proverbs 3, 5 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your being, and lean not onto your own understanding. Boy, how many times have I lent on my own understanding? How many times have I tried to work it out? How many times when something seems so difficult and complicated, I think to myself, one plus one does not equal two, and I can't work it out. And sometimes God blindfolds us. Sometimes God create situations that we're not aware of because he's trying to build trust in us. And one of the greatest things that I've seen is to be able to trust him even when I don't understand. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Life is like a jigsaw puzzle. I've said this before. We only get the pieces. He's got the box. He's got the whole overview. We only get those pieces. And sometimes, how many of you have done jigsaw puzzles? I hate them. You know, my wife loves them. You know, every time we go on holiday, she wants to do a jigsaw puzzle. I hate them. Why? Because, you know, you try, where the heck does this fit? Even when you start shaping, you, you get these pieces, where does this fit? You try and work out the colours. You try and do this. I feel like sometimes getting the scissors and cutting around just to put the thing in. Or if you've got one last piece. But this is the amazing thing is God has got the big picture. And, you know, you might feel like, you know, you've only got some pieces to work with, but it is like a jigsaw. He's the chess master. Do you know God is the chess He sets up. I don't know if you've ever played chess. Sometimes I've played chess and I've, you know, I always lose. But I, I look at these guys and go, that's a stupid move. 
And sometimes, you know, there's moves that God makes and you think, that's ridiculous. But he is fantastic at checkmating the devil. I've never found in my situation that God has ever, ever left me in a place where he hasn't through me and my situations had victory. He's the master potter. Did you know he shapes us? If we will stay on the potter's wheel, you know, he, Jeremiah, if you look at the book of Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah chapter 9, he goes, Jeremiah, go into the potter's house. I wish I could do to Israel, I wish I could shape Israel just like a potter does. If we will stay at the centre of God's will and let him be Lord and let him put his hands upon us, he will shape us according to his design and his purpose. But it's hard to stay in the centre of God's will when you're in those confusing situations. It's hard to trust. He's the chief architect. He's the one that designs and builds your life. He is the greatest author there ever is. He's writing the chapters of our lives. Sometimes we don't know how they're going to unfold. Sometimes we don't even know what the next chapter is going to look. Sometimes we don't even know the heading of the next chapter. But he knows what they are. Lesson one, I've learned to trust him and I'm still learning to trust him. There's still some things ahead and every time I look back now and I look at the faithfulness of God and know that I can trust him. Here's the second thing, timing. Boy, does he get timing right. Boy, oh boy. Do you know, how many of you are impatient? Put your hand up. Yeah, a bit, a bit higher. Can you put your hand up? Boy, there's a lot of unspiritual people in this church. Boy, does he get the timing right. You know, I, I have been, I get very impatient. Um, I want things done now. And you know what? God is brilliant at teaching you patience because the more you need it, the more he seems to create situations to make you patient. That's why I hate airports. You know, that's why I hate sitting on planes. That's why I hate sitting in traffic. Uh, that's why I hate sitting in grocery lines. How many of you have played this game? You get in the line, you look at which lines, think, oh, better, you know, that one's moving far, and you shift. And as soon as you shift to that next one, price check, price check, and you're there for the next. Then you go, and you go back to the other one. And all of a sudden, you know, this other person, oh, man, I've done it all. But God's timing, Psalm 31.15 says this, my times are in his hands. Did you know? you can rest assured that God knows the perfect timing for that breakthrough. God knows the perfect timing for, for that financial situation. God knows the perfect timing for that runaway prodigal. God knows the perfect timing for that situation that you just go, God, when? You know, we ask God a lot of questions. Why is the biggest question we ask God? Here's the second one, when? When, God, when? But you know, when we were building this building, I'll never forget when Charles and April and I had a meeting. We were at Degani's. I really spoiled them because I was saying, you know, really God wants you here. And I know that they prayed and it was God that wanted them here. But I said to them, look, we'll be in our new building in one year. One year. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do the baby dedication. They're pregnant. We're going to do the baby in the brand new building. It took us three years to get here. But every step, God knew every step. God knows every step of your life. If he is Lord and you put him in the driver's seat, then he knows every step of your life. 
and I've had to learn timing the hard way. I've had to trust him in God's timing. Everything that he has called me to do has always come through at the right timing. I wanted to go to England in 2007 and situation and circumstances did not permit them. My wife has been brilliant. God has used my wife to perfect his timing. It's a real pain when God uses your wife in that sort of a way. Believe me. But I'll never forget, if we went to England the year before, all the opportunities that happened would not have come. They were all God, you know, it's God that opens the doors and God that shuts the doors. We are here today and we're blessed. We're blessed. We, we arrived not one minute too early and not one minute too late. I'll never forget the meeting I had with Pastor Joe in Dagani. He said, get me that land. And you know what? Corplex were just about to, they'd already had plans to build on this building, but this was God's land. This was God's purpose. It's no, it's no, it was by no accident that quest came at the time they've come. There's some exciting things that are happening there. There's no accident, let me tell you, that we've bought that building and at the right appropriate time, that building will be functional to the way God wants it to be. We have to trust in his timing. I'm going to show this video and then I'm going to finish with that last point. Can I show you this video? This video is about Corey Ten Boom. Those of you that are a little bit older most probably have seen it. You know, she was from the Netherlands and her family would hide Jews. But in 1994, 1944, they got discovered and the whole family got put into prison. They came out a year later. Now, you know, when you go through what she went through, uh, you have to question, when you're doing things right, when you are doing things to help people and help God's people, and you get punished for it and go through injustice and go through pain there's some huge lessons to learn she wrote this poem called the weaver this is a reenactment it's not her but it's a reenactment and it's a very it's about a one minute 29 second video but she says something so powerful she ended up writing a book in 1971 called the hiding place that's when it was released but this is a reenactment of her poem the weaver just have a look and listen to some of the powerful things that she says in this video. And this poem tells something of my life and maybe something of your life too. My life is like a weaving between my God and me. I do not choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Sometimes he weaveth sorrow, and I, in foolish pride, forget he sees the upper. But I, the underside, not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly. Will God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why the dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hands as those threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned? 
I have come with a message that God has no problems with our lives, only plans. And that fantastic truth. Why don't you stand to your feet? Can I have Dan up there and can I have the worship team just for a second? <clears throat> it is well with my soul. Here's the last lesson I've learned. I've learned to be thankful. Sometimes it's taken me a long time to get to that point. But I truly think that I understand James chapter 1. That consider it pure joy. Be thankful even when you go through trials. Because he's at work. He's fashioning something that we can't see. And at the beginning of 2017, the beginning of this year, Maybe you can't make sense of 2016. Maybe you want to shut the door. You know, this morning as I woke up, I looked on Facebook and it was really sad that two of my friends on Facebook put, I'm so glad that 2016 is over. It was such a horrific, painful year. I'm glad to shut the door. It's funny how we put things on social media today. I was saddened by that. But you know, God's at work. Sometimes we don't understand the pain. Sometimes we don't understand the journey. And it's hard to be thankful when you're going through crisis. But I thank God today that He is weaving, He's weaving His purpose, His plan to build authority, to build purpose, to build your purpose so you can have authority and dominion we're going to close today by just being thankful. And, you know, Angie, I saw you come in this morning and I was just so thrilled with your four boys. What an amazing, amazing person you are. You are an amazing person. And God is at work. And I just want to commend you uh, because your boys are an absolute, just great, great example of your mothering and your love for them. And my wife has taught, I think, two of them said to me how they are just a great, great example of the love of God. It's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. Why don't you lift your hands just for a moment. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what you're walking through. But today, why don't we close this meeting with being thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Thankfulness creates the attitudes. They're the rudder of our soul. Frustration and anger sometimes can shipwreck God's process in perfecting Him. But I just wonder today, just for a moment, as we've come into this new season, and maybe you don't understand everything that happened in 2016, and maybe even the years before, maybe you don't understand, but there's something you can do today if there's two things. Number one, if you haven't let Jesus be in the driver's seat, then today with your hands out in front of you, say, God, I haven't been driving this too well. I haven't been driving this too well. Lord, come into the driver's seat. Take over. Or maybe he is, Lord, and you've put him in the driver's seat, but you still don't understand what's happening. Today, be thankful. Today, have confidence that He is at work. All things work together for those that love God and are called to His purpose. Yeah.
into this new year. It is you might not understand, but God is perfecting hand. He's positioning, changing just with a thankful heart. Know that all things work together for good. He's positioning, he's orchestrating. Just let those things go. Just with a thankful heart. And at the start of today, the start of this new year, Holy Spirit, help us to trust more. Help us to understand your timing and your purpose. And help us to be thankful that you are at work, that you're a good God, that you have a purpose, you have a plan, even when we don't understand, even when others do us wrong. Father, we thank you that you're the lover of our soul, you're the restorer, you're the renewer. And Father, thank you for refreshing people today. We bless you today and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
and amen. Fantastic. Hey, have a great day. There's no coffee out there today. Somebody came in a bit disappointed today, but do you know what? It's next week they'll be back in full deck. And we look forward to what God's going to do. I believe it's going to be a great, great year. And we've got some exciting things ahead, but we'll explain those to you in February. God bless you. Have a great day. Enjoy your family.